Welcome to the New Life Baptist Podcast. Our mission is to love the Great Commandment, live the Great Commission, and lead one more to Jesus Christ. We thank you for listening, and we hope that you are encouraged today as we dive into God's Word. Amen. As we continue to worship this morning, let me invite you. Let's take the Word of God. Let's open the Word of God and turn in the Word of God to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 today. Um, We're walking through some of the letters of Paul here in the New Testament to the church, dear church, as he writes to them. And of course, still relevant, applicable, and living truth for us today as God's Word is presented. So we'll be in Ephesians 6 this morning. And of course, you can use the backside of your worship guide to follow along as we walk together through the Word. But as you're finding Ephesians 6, again, we have two of our staff members out this Sunday on mission trip, but we also are welcoming a new staff member today. And so Caleb McElyea, his wife, Adrian, if y'all will give them a big New Life Baptist welcome. We are thrilled to have them. They're wonderful people, a wonderful couple. He's our new student pastor. And so if you have a student in 6th or 12th grade, make sure you meet him, get involved with them. They're going to do some amazing things this fall as we kick off. So we're thrilled to have you guys and welcome home. We're, we're delighted to have you all here. So Ephesians chapter 6. Here's what I know to be true. The longer that you follow Jesus, the more you come to realize that the Christian life is not a cruise ship, it's a battleship. Right? It is a spiritual war, as the Word of God calls it. it. It is not as always easy as we want it to be. A lot of times we like life on cruise control. We want things to be smooth. We don't like traffic. We don't want jams. We, we, we just want life to go as easy as possible. And sometimes, and most often, it's not that way. It's not because of bad luck. It's not because of unfortunate circumstances. The reason why life is bumpy and the life has obstacles and life has challenges and life has problems is because you are literally under attack in spiritual warfare. You are under attack. It's going to be clear today that you are actively being attacked and you are actively being opposed by a very real enemy. And it's not physical, it's spiritual. You are in a spiritual battle. And if you are a follower of Christ, know this, spiritual activity always begets or always brings about spiritual activity. The more you try to follow Jesus, the more faithful you try to become, the more the enemy tries to oppose you. He tries to come against you. And so Paul is going to call this in Ephesians 6 the evil day. What's the evil day? The evil day is when all hell comes after you. When all hell breaks loose in your life, you are overwhelmed, all hope is lost, your life is falling apart, and it's when that day comes, the Word of God says, we have to be prepared. We have to be ready. We have to be willing to stand in the strength of God. So we don't need our ability, we need His armor. And so that's going to be the Word of God today. If you will stand with me for the reading of it, we're going to be Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. The Word of God says, finally... Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Not a piece here, a piece there, just for this day or that day. But put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand or be able to withstand in the evil day, that day that's coming. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore having fastened what the belt of truth 
having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, so there's nothing excluded, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. I love Paul. Pray for me to have boldness, that God would open my mouth and his words would come out, that I might declare his truth, for which I am an ambassador in chains, literally in prison at this time, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of God. Let's pray as we submit and surrender our lives to him this morning. Father, we thank you for your living and active word. And God, our prayer this morning is that your living and active word will be living and active in us. God, thank you that we can declare, Lord Jesus, who you are and what you've done for us. And now we ask, Lord, that your word will be used in our lives to bring about fruit and faithfulness. So, Father, we ask in your name, Jesus, that what we don't know you teach, what we don't have you give. And God, who we are not, make us into your image. We ask you to speak, for your servants are listening. In Christ's name we pray. God sure says, amen. Again, as you find your seat, make sure you find your worship guide to follow along today as we walk together through the word, verse by verse here. But as we kind of jump in here, have you ever lost something that you actually had the whole time? That ever happened to any of you guys? Now, we're, we're in a multi-generational church, and I'm not going to pick on just one generation over the other, but I've been around some of you, and I won't name you, but I've literally been with you, and you've been looking for things that are on your shirts, right, that are in your pocket, and you've been looking for glasses, you've been looking for your phone, and it's always with you. And to show you that I'm fair, this past week, and I told my wife she's going to make the sermon, this past week we were on vacation, a family vacation at the beach, and she was looking around underneath our tent, looking for something on the beach, and she said, I just can't find my sunglasses anywhere, and they're literally on her face. She's wearing them, right? She, she couldn't find something because she had it the whole time. And so there's a lot of times we'll do that with all different kinds of things, whether it's car keys or a phone or glasses. But what we have to understand here is that we tend to lose things that we have always had with us all along. And that's what Paul's going to write here in this text, is that Paul's going to say, you have all you will ever need to live a life for God. And just don't forget it. Just don't forget to take up the armor. We have everything that we need according to 2 Peter 1.3. We have everything that we need, all the grace, all the strength that we need to live a life pleasing for God. And in the middle of the fight, in the middle of the evil day, in the middle of the challenge, in the middle of the hard circumstance, the Word of God will encourage us, don't forget what you already have. Don't forget the power, the strength, the armor that has already been given to you. All you have to do is wear it. And so we're going to see two things here in the book of Ephesians in this text. And here's the very first one. We are given the strength to stand. All right, we're given the strength to stand. Let's go back in our text, look in verse 10. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So I want you to understand that, first of all, we have to wake up to the schemes of the enemy. 
You gotta wake up and know that the devil is coming against you. He doesn't come to inconvenience you. Satan doesn't attack you to annoy you. He doesn't come to interrupt your life or to make your day a little harder. He comes to take you out. It says the devil is a prowling lion looking for someone to devour. It says also he is crouching at your doorstep waiting for the day of attack. And so we know that he doesn't come to dupe you. He doesn't come to distract you. He comes to destroy you. He comes to take you out of the race. He comes to to take you out of a life of pleasing God. He comes to totally destroy your life. And one of the greatest deceptions of the enemy, one of the greatest schemes of the enemy is that he convinces you that there is no enemy, that he's not actively working against you because what do we know? We know how to avoid a devil in a red jumpsuit, right? You got a red jumpsuit with a pitchfork. We know stay away from that guy, but that's not how Satan presents himself. That's not how he works. According to 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, 14, he, he presents himself as an angel of light. He shows himself in a way that would be confusing to us, for even Satan disguises himself. He doesn't come around and say, hey, I'm the devil, hey, I'm Satan. No, he will disguise himself as an angel. That's why it's a scheme. That's why he's a deceiver, because he comes to, to always put an illusion before us. He always comes to make things seem not as they really are. He creates nothing, but he counterfeits everything. He counterfeits everything. He has a whole lot of power, but he has absolutely no authority. And so, church, the first thing that we see in this text is that you need to wake up. You need to be alert that Satan's coming after you, that he wants to attack you, that he wants to deceive you, he wants to destroy you, and he will use all kinds of things to take you out. And the way that we stand strong, the way that we are aware of those schemes, that we stand strong in the Lord, and we says here, we take up the whole armor of God. So two things we got to see here. Number one, our strength comes from the Lord. All right, our strength originates and comes from the Lord. Again, verse 10, finally be strong where? In the Lord and in whose strength? In the strength of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Strength is not just given by God. It belongs to God. You, you are not a source of strength on your own. You may think you are, but, but you're deceiving yourself. It is his strength that we receive. You go back and read the Bible and read all the people that God used. Nothing in Scripture ever gives the concept that God needs and God recruits really big, strong, powerful people. It's often he uses the weak, it says, to shame the strong. Right? He uses the, the dumb to shame the intelligent. Right? He, he uses different people, the people that we would never pick, to show what? How strong he is. Right? To show his strength. That's why little shepherd boy who wasn't presented by his own father as a candidate for king is who God chose. He chooses, he uses people that we would never present. And so we have to understand that he, he, it is not about our strength, it's about his. How strong you are is irrelevant. All right, how brilliant you are is completely irrelevant. He doesn't need our strength in him. He needs his strength in us. All right, his strength in us, because this fight, right, that you're going to be the day of evil, this spiritual battle, the spiritual war that we need the armor for, this fight has nothing to do with our ability to overcome. Nothing. It doesn't matter how strong you are. But it has everything to do with his ability that has already won. Right? We're, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. 
I'm not trying to win a battle. I've already won a battle. I'm an overcomer. We are more than conquerors in Christ, the Word of God says. And so I fight in His strength. I stand, it says, in the strength of His might. And that's where I find strength to endure, strength to persevere, strength to resist the devil in all of his temptations. And so we understand according to 2 Corinthians 12, 9, about His strength being made perfect in our weakness. And when our strength runs out, God's strength begins. When our strength runs out, that's when God's strength begins. Again, two weeks ago, we were at kids camp, and I went. I went as a chaperone. I went as an adult leader, and my job was to not only take kids, but I took the trailer. And so I'm taking the trailer in my SUV, and and we're the last group to go. The other group's gone on ahead of us, and here we are, and I'm traveling. We're going to Siloam Springs from here, and so we get off Highway 40, our Interstate 40. We're going up 59 towards Siloam, right, towards Fayetteville to turn left on 412. And as we get off the Alma exit, if you've ever gone that way up 59, you understand there's the Love's gas station right as you get on, but then there's nothing for a very long period of time, right, until after the tunnel. So if you've never gone that way, just know this, gas stations are very sparse. And so I've got a quarter of a tank. I feel pretty good about that. Like, I can make it to Springdale, right? But I'm pulling a trailer, and I'm going uphill almost the entire way. And so come through, before we even get to the tunnel, my quarter of a tank, and you can watch your little mileage go down, and mine's got a number, and it says zero, right? I've got six kids in my car. I've got a trailer, there's no gas station in sight, and I am sitting there before I even get to a tunnel. I'm at least 15 miles to the next gas station, and I've got a zero on my gas tank, and I am praying to God. (laughs) Right? I'm like, Lord, this is where my strength runs out and your strength takes over. I need you to kind of fulfill this oil like you did that old lady in the Old Testament with Elijah. I need you to keep filling this car up with gas somehow. And I'm just sitting there praying. I'm like, kids, don't talk to me. I can't talk to you. I'm stressed. I'm praying. I've even got two hands on the wheel at this point, all right? I am doing everything. And lo and behold, before I get to even the gas station I thought about, I see one I've never even seen before, and I've traveled this way a hundred times, and I see a little gas station on the right side, a little harps, a little town I've never even seen before, and God made a way. But the point is that what we have is when our strength runs out, that's when God's strength begins. It doesn't matter about my car. It matters about what he provided. And I fully believe it was supernatural. I believe somehow, some way, God just kept that gas in that car, and I was able to get those kids safely to camp. And so we need his strength. So I want to challenge you. Be dependent on his strength. It's not about you. It's not about how much you can take, how far you can go. It's about what he has already provided for you. We stand, it says in verse 10, in the strength of his might. And then number two, spiritual warfare requires spiritual weapons. Spiritual warfare is going to require for you to take up spiritual weapons. Look in verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. One big reason we need his strength is because you and I tend to look for physical solutions to spiritual problems. We got spiritual problems, but we're looking always for a physical solution. All right, how can I fix this? 
Okay, what can I do to make this right? And what we see here is that if we're going to fight the spiritual war and we're going to fight it into victory, we need his weapons. We need his armor. We need his guidance. So we don't need to look for strength in the wrong place. That's what we tend to do. I need a human solution for a spiritual problem. It's not going to work. All right, you don't need the natural. You need the supernatural. All right, you don't need your strength. You need his strength. You have a spiritual problem. You need a spiritual solution. Why? Because, again, our fight is not against the flesh. Our fight is not against the blood. What we see here, in other words, other people are not your problem. All right, your, your circumstances are not your problem. You have an enemy, and that's your problem. Or you have opposition, and that's your problem. And so if Satan's your problem, then you're going to need spiritual weapons to overcome. That's the temptation of Jesus in Matthew 4. We see him, uh, Jesus has been alone. He's in the wilderness. He's out in the desert, and Satan comes after him to tempt him. And what does Jesus fight against? Is it against the city? Is it against the temptations? Is it against the, the desires? No, it's against the evil one. He comes against him. He attacks him, and what does Jesus show us? He uses a spiritual weapon. He overcame all the temptations of Satan three in a row by quoting the word of God says this. He took up a spiritual weapon because he had a spiritual problem. And so your spouse is not your problem. All right, your, your job is not your problem. All right, the, the circumstances around your life are not your problem. It's a spiritual problem, and therefore the word of God says you need a spiritual weapon. And we're provided all the armor right here for us. So when we see in the day of trouble, don't run from God, run to God. All right, don't run from God in the day of trouble, run to God. And that's what we tend to do. Again, I'm, I'm, I've got a problem i got to go figure this out. Or I'm hurt, and now I've got to go heal myself. No, we don't run from God. we got a spiritual problem. We need the spiritual solution. We need his strength. We need his word. There's a story of a, of a man sitting next to a little boy on an airplane, and, and during the trip, they hit a patch of bad weather, and the pilot com, comes on overboard and says, hey, just let the cabin know, all the passengers know, we're about to hit a patch of bad weather. We're, we're about to have some turbulence. And if you've ever been that, I've, I've experienced that. It, it is very, very frightening, right? When you start shaking up there and you're like, oh my, is this it? Is this where I go, right? And you start questioning things and you get a little fearful. And so the man responds like, like I have responded. He begins to tighten up. He begins to pray to God. And he's panicked and he's fearful and he's scared to death. But he looks over at the little boy and he knows the little boy is just sitting there, just sitting calmly, coloring, reading books, just sitting there, acting like nothing is the matter. And after they get through this turbulence where this man is frightened to death, he turns to the little boy and says, little boy, I noticed how calm you were. I was scared to death. How were you able to make it through without any fear whatsoever? And the little boy answered, my dad's the pilot. I heard his voice on the intercom. He said it was going to be okay, and I knew it was going to be okay. And so we have to rest in the day of evil, we have to rest. In the day of trouble, we have to rest, no matter the turbulence that you face, that we have a pilot who's in control, who's given us all the power, who's given us all the victory, and we have to listen to his word and say, it's going to be okay because he is strong. His strength, his might, his armor, I can stand. So we see, first of all, again, the strength to stand. But then we see number two, because it's a battle. We need to be equipped to engage. Or we have to be equipped to engage. Let's go back to our text. You can see in verse 14, after verse 13 says, take up the whole armor of God. Verse 14 says, stand therefore, which is stand, stand firm in the strength of God. Stand therefore, in verse 14, having fastened on the belt of truth, 
having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And he goes on, we'll walk through those. So you're going to see that, that each piece of the armor is how you apply and how you accomplish the command to stand firm. All right, we're commanded to stand firm. We're commanded to stay in his strength. And so the armor is the application. All right, how? How do I stand firm? How do I stand in the strength of his might? How do I walk by faith and not by sight? We do it by the armor. And so you gain power when you realize, I don't have the ability to overcome Satan in my life. I don't have the strength to resist every temptation. I'm going to have to trust in God's power to overcome him through me. I'm going to need his stuff. And so that's the backdrop of standing firm, is that we first of all have to put on the belt. Verse 14 again, the belt, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. The belt of truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness. It says the belt of truth. And so what we see here, the application is, you need to surround your life with the truth of God's word. You need to saturate your life in the truth of God's word. God's word needs to define every single area of your life. A lot of times we try to live outside of God's word. We try to live apart from God's word. But the only way to escape the deception of the enemy, the only way to stand firm in the day of evil, is to let the word of God establish what is true in every area of your life. So what determines truth for you? Is it your feelings? Is it your emotions? Is it circumstances dictate how you react to things? Is it culture? Because culture changes every day. I mean, what determines truth for you? And what we have to see here is if we're going to fasten on the belt of truth, if we're going to withstand an evil day, then what we have to do is stand firm in the truth of God's word alone. We can only stand on his word. Because remember, Satan's first attack on man was to do what? Question God's truth. That's what he does to Eve. That's what she does to Adam. Did God really say that? Is that really what God meant? I think God's holding out some goodness from you because he doesn't want you to be happy. And since then, he's just repeated the same lie to us. Right? Is that really what God means? Is that really the context? Is that really what God's word says? And so we have to understand to stand in truth, we have to be devoted to the word of God. You have to be devoted to the word of God. And so we see we surround ourselves in God's truth by submitting and submerging ourselves in God's truth. How devoted are you to the word of God? We need the truth. Number two, we have to have the breastplate. Verse 14, it says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So not only do we stand on truth and let God's word define every area of our life, but God would have us saturate every part of our lives in obedience to him so that there's nowhere that Satan can penetrate. Again, it says the breastplate of righteousness or right living, holy living. I want you to understand. Try that again. All right. No worries. That's the first time that has ever happened. That's okay. Try that again. All right, here we go. What we see here in the text, Satan will attack every area of your life that is not surrendered to God. 
The breastplate of righteousness, it symbolizes for us not just a covering for our heart, but, but truly a covering for righteous living. Your weakest spot is whatever is not covered in obedience to God's word. That is your weakest spot. The area that you've determined that's off limits, that God, I'm going to give you every part of my life except this part. Or, or God, I, I'm going to surrender and obey you, but, but not this part. The part that you hold back or the part that's a secret sin or the part that, that you don't want to surrender to God, that weakest part of you that is not in obedience or in submission or surrender to God's truth, that is the part that is your weakest spot. And that's the part that Satan will attack. You have to put on the breastplate of righteousness. And so we have to surrender every area of our lives to what? Holy obedience. I want to say in church, you're called to be holy as he is holy. And we will settle on being kind of good or being good enough or better than someone else. But Jesus says, live as I live, right? He tells us to, to follow him, to do what he does. And so we can see that any area of your life that is not submitted or surrendered to God's will is going to be under attack. You can't just live however you want. You have to live according to the word of God. So we have to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Then it says in verse 15, we've got to put on the shoes, it says, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Shoes here are both a defensive weapon and an offensive weapon in this war. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, they not only help you stand firm, but they also move you into action. All right, they're, they're, they're shoes that are ready. They're ready to move. They're ready to go. They're ready for action. They're ready for the battle. They're ready to engage. And so we see that the shoes that we wear, they help us not only stand, but they help us to move. They help us to go. And God says, it says in verse 15, shoes for feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The way we can overcome the enemy is by an offensive engagement with the gospel in other people's lives. In other words, what does that mean? We need to be ready to quickly tell people about Jesus. we got to wear the, the gospel of the shoes of peace, right? Can you imagine that? In the middle of a war, we've got a solution for peace, right? In the middle of this battle, we have the feet that are ready to go and, and to stand in the gap and say, hey, I know you're struggling. I know you're, you're being defeated. I know life is hard, but I'm ready to share the gospel with you. I'm ready to tell you about the hope of Jesus. I'm ready to tell you how you can stand firm. I'm ready to tell you how you can overcome. And so we have to be ready, church. And how are you ready? You're ready because you have right living. You're ready because you have right thinking. You're ready because you're submitted to God's word. And so church, what we see here is that you and I need to be ready to go share the gospel. We have got to go. And so we got to wear these shoes that stand firm for our own sake, but then ready to stand firm for somebody else. Because we have brothers and sisters who struggle. right? We have a lot of people who lean a lot of encouragement, and so we come in the middle of the battle with a message of peace that can be found in Christ. So we got to have the shoes, but then we got to wear the shield as well. Verse 16, In all circumstances... Meaning there's no exclusion, no exemptions, no exceptions. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts. As he attacks you, you can extinguish these out of the evil one. What does the shield imply that we do? According to Colossians, we hide behind it. We're to be hidden in Christ, right? To be hidden in Christ. So we, we hide behind the shield. We, we stand behind the shield as protection, the, the enemy is going to attack. He's going to fire away. He's going to shoot things your direction. But we stand behind the shield. We hide in faith that God is for us, that God protects us, that God loves us. We have everything that we need to stand in Jesus. And so when you're attacked by confusion, 
When you're attacked by temptation, when you're attacked by discouragement, we don't handle those things. We hide in Jesus. I'm not called to handle everything. I'm called to hide in the shield of my faith in Christ. So stand firm in the covering that extinguishes everything that comes your way. Stand firm that he will protect you. Right? We have a refuge, strong tower, as the psalm says, in Christ. We need to stand under his protection. And then we see, lastly, the helmet and the sword. It says in verse 17, Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So first of all, the helmet of salvation. We are to wear the hope that we have in Christ. All right, if you have been saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you have been born again, if you have become a new creation and you're truly living a new life in Jesus, don't let Satan get into your head. Don't let Satan distract you or lead you astray or discourage you, but live in the assurance that you have victory in Jesus' name. All right, live in the assurance that you have been saved. In the word of God, it tells us that you've been saved from the past penalty of sin. You've been saved by the present power of sin. And one day you'll be saved totally from the future presence of sin. Did you know that you've been saved in three different time zones? All right, the past, the present, the future. You've been saved. You are secure. And so we can live with this helmet of protection upon knowing that I have assurance, that I have hope. I know who I belong to and who has purchased me. Right, He bought me at a price, and I can live facing this evil day, facing this enemy with assurance that I have hope in God. And then number two, I need the sword. It says, taking up the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. We not only need to get into the Word of God, but we need the Word of God to get into us. Right? You don't need just to get in the Word of God. Yes, that's the first step, but you need the Word of God to get into you. You need to memorize it. You need, you need to, to, to be equipped with it. You need to use it. Again, that's, that's the exact weapon that Jesus showed us to use in Matthew 4. He knew it because he wrote it because he is the word, right? But we know that whenever Satan attacked, he said, the word of God says this. The word of God says this. Three times he extinguishes the enemy because he had the power of the sword. And so I would argue that your level of faithfulness to own God's word will match up to your level of obedience to do God's word you got to own it, church. Own the Word of God. Memorize the Word of God. Just submit and surrender. Submerge yourself into knowing the Word of God so you can walk in obedience to the Word of God. Because what you can't do, you can't neglect the only weapon provided for us here and live a life of triumph. Right? You've given one weapon. It's the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. And you can't neglect that if you want to live a life of victory. If you want to live a life that's not overwhelmed, if you want to live a life that's not overcome, that's not always in discouragement or defeat, if you want to live a life that brings victory and glory to the name of Jesus, you got to have the Word. you got to know the Word. you, you got to eat the Word. you got to have life in the Word. It will give you strength. It will give you victory. It will give you power. It will give you the ability to overcome. And we're just following the Master who showed us how to fight. And so we see that this is what it takes. And of course, all this must be done in prayer. So take up the helmet of salvation, the sword of spirit, praying at all times in the spirit with all power, prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Prayer. 
if we're in the middle of a war, which is what we says, the Word of God says we are, then prayer is the walkie-talkie back to the commander. Right? That's what it is. It's the walkie-talkie, as a pastor would say. That if we're in the middle of a war, that is how we fight. That's as we endure. That's as we advance. We call HQ for everything we need. I'm calling back out to the commander. I'm, I'm in constant communication. And so we see we don't pray in our own strength. We, we pray in the Spirit. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Just don't pray according to your own ideas. Don't pray for what you want. We pray the will of God through the Word of God, seeking the ways of God. That's how we are called to pray. And if you're not doing it in the Spirit, then you're just doing the right thing in the wrong way. And again, this past week at, at our vacation, we were at the ocean. And if I go into the ocean and I try to breathe and exhale and inhale and exhale, and I try to do that all underwater, I'm, I'm doing the right thing in the wrong way, right? I mean, I can breathe and I can inhale and exhale right here just fine, but if I were to go underwater and open my mouth and try to do that exercise, I would surely have a trouble. I would surely have a problem. And so a lot of times we try to do the right thing in the wrong way. And so, so we, we do our morning prayer, we do our meal prayer, we do our evening prayer, but are we doing the right thing? Yes, but are we doing it in the right way? So you got to pray in the Spirit. you got to truly surrender yourself and pray according to, again, the Word of God. Praying and seeking the will of God, doing it the way of God. We must always do it the way God says. And so we seek first His kingdom, and then all these other things will be added to us, right? We seek Him first. And so here's how we take this home. There's a lot here. We're, We're covering a lot of territory in a very small period of time that we could probably spend a lot of time on. But I want to see you to take this home is you need to activate what is already available. Activate what is already available. God will not dress you, but he has provided for you everything that you need to live a life for him. You have to walk by faith. You're going to have to be a doer of the word. All right, he's equipped you. He, he's given you everything that you need. He's provided for you his strength. He's provided for you his armor. He's provided for you his victory, and all you have to do is to put it on. You just got to put it on. It's already there. It's already there. It's already available. You just have to put it on, and then it says live boldly for Jesus. I love Paul's prayer. Because when I think about the New Testament, Paul says, pray for me to have boldness. I don't picture a, a more bold person in the New Testament than Paul. Right? The guy was shipwrecked. He was beaten with rods. He was presented before some Roman leaders and tried to persuade them to believe in Jesus. Right? There's no one more bold than Paul in the New Testament, and yet he's still sitting here saying, I'm still weak. I still need his strength. I still need boldness. Would you pray for me to have boldness? So I want to encourage you, church, today. Let us be a church that stands firm. Let's be a church that puts on the full armor of God. And let's be a church that prays boldly for God to use us collectively, individually, to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Let's pray for boldness. And let's see what God can do through you. We thank you for listening. Be sure to click the subscribe button on this podcast so you don't miss out on any and all of our future content. We pray you were encouraged by the word of God today. If you feel that the Lord is leading you to make a decision or have questions, you can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or at our website at newlifebaptist.faith.